whole series, we're going to cover a whole range of topics from Black Lives Matter and fighting for equality, coronavirus, and what's happening in our world right now that needs your attention. There's so much going on right now. There's so much we need to talk about. Let's get to it. Let's get in depth. Welcome to In-Depth Conversations, everyone. Here we're doing another After Elections podcast. Um, I'm going to do a little um, talk about what's happening in Artsakh and Armenia. So if anyone doesn't know, um, a contract has been signed between Russia, the Azerbaijan, and Armenia that clarifies that there's supposed to be land given to Azerbaijan um, and the people that live there have to leave all their lives and this is probably the worst outcome that could happen and the fact that our Prime Minister of Armenia has signed that deal it doesn't look good for him um, I mean he's he said that there was no other option he could see um, I'm not blaming him because like I really looked into a lot of it. I can't just blame one person, but it's just frustrating because like it's just that was the no for everyone. Like we can't just like give up like that. And for him to like just give it away was like so heart wrenching. So that's what's happening this week because this happened I think Friday or Saturday night because yeah. And it was a roller coaster because right now in Armenia, Yerevan, it's a hectic with protests, violent protests, um, in front of the parliament of Armenia, Yerevan, the capital. Um, people are asking for the prime minister to resign and calling for what the heck is going on and asking for questions to be answered because it just doesn't make any sense. Like, why would we fight? and give 3,000 lives over when this was going to be the outcome. Because from what I'm hearing, this was what was going to happen anyway. And for that to happen, it's just, yeah. So that's what's happened. Um, so I bring on my guest now. <laughs> After that, so Desmond Prince from Independent Thoughts. Give your thoughts. <laughs> I host a podcast called Independent Thought. Um, yeah, honestly, I've been trying to follow the news of what's been going on over there for for the past like m month and a half. I want to yeah. say two months, maybe. Yeah. And I want to say that I haven't been able to get the most clear cut amount of like information about yeah. everything that's going on over there. You know, I feel like there's a lot of. Um, I wouldn't say disinformation, but just um, just conflicting reports about what is real and what isn't. I heard some people say that you know um, Armenia was in the right. I heard other people say that they were not. And yeah. you know, it's, as someone who doesn't really know that much about this, other than what I've just been getting the yeah. last few weeks, it's been really hard for me to piece together information. I've honestly got a lot of my information um, from things that you've shared and tried to get extra information I mean, off of those sources. Yeah, that's been the frustrating part is there's not accurate information to talk about these things because if anything, the big headline is probably about Trump and all the elections, so, which is fine, and COVID, but these kind of real-life yeah. issues where it's like people are dying and have to now leave their homes, when this was like, this is what we were trying to prevent from happening and we were trying to get people to voice, but it was just not getting through even the hashtags and people telling us to go on Twitter takedown and it wasn't working. Whatever, like we were going to legislators, we were protesting on parliaments, we were going to the MP's office, the prime minister of Canada, nothing. Like they weren't even, they were just like, oh, we're, talk, we're in talks. And I hate that word because like, it's if you're talking, it doesn't mean anything. Like, it's just words to me. Like, now I'm just frustrated with the fact that they're just... Now, even today, we had the foreign um, affairs minister here in Canada. He just put out a statement saying, oh, we're still trying to negotiate and see what this agreement is about. Like, but it's been 40 days. Like, why does it have to just be, we'll try to see what's in, in this deal for you guys to see if it's worth it. But the deal's been signed, so... 
Like, what are we supposed to do now? Like, go away from our homes? People are burning their houses down because they're scared of the Azerbaijan and Turkey coming in and then burning it themselves. So there's that fear. And then burning up churches and historic monuments and it's a whole bunch of stuff going on. Those are like hundreds of years of history going away. So why is it happening just now? If this has been a disputed land for so long, why did Azerbaijan just attack like just now? Do they feel like they had a particular thing that led up to this? Because they had the backing of Turkey. They had the backing of Israel. Israel was the one giving them the weapons. Think about it like this. Armenia doesn't have the defense for military that uh, Azerbaijan has. They don't have it. They're getting it from other people. And then Turkey is backing them up. When Turkey has 100 million people, and then they hire mercenaries from Syria to come in, how are we going to do that? They have no defense at all. So this is planned with three big countries together to do this. And I think this was 30 years in the making. And then the thing is, within the 30 years, we've had governments in our country that were stealing money and then all this corruption when we could have been building our military and kind of expanding and trying to defend ourselves. How are we going to defend ourselves when Israel is giving drones to Azerbaijan and they're shooting and we have guns to shoot at the drones? How does... How? You know, uh, I think it's, it's, a, it's an untold, uh, well, the untold story, I think, of uh, foreign policy throughout the world is why everyone is so reluctant to challenge Israel in any sort of way. I'm sure that once they got involved, everyone else in the international community felt the need to just, like, stay silent. Exactly. Which makes, which makes no sense to me, because um, if they're supplying weapons to Azerbaijan, then it automatically just, you know, the U.S. doesn't want to get involved because they don't want to be With seen Israel. as opposing Israel. Exactly. That's my whole thing. It's just because it's Israel, the state of, I'm not saying the, I'm not saying the people are, I'm saying the government itself is corrupt. Because if they're going to give weapons, and that, I don't understand why they won't even recognize the Armenian genocide, but the Holocaust did happen. And, but the Armenian genocide didn't, like, there's no humanity in that, like, I don't understand, like... No, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense politically, but, you know, I feel like a lot of these decisions that other countries make are never really about morality, it's always about, What they can make. And then our land, Eastern Turkey is Western Armenia. That's where my parents fled from when they went to Iran, and that's where they grew up. My great-grandparents fled there. My My father's mother, she lost her first husband and her three children. Then she had to flee to Armenia with nothing. And then she married my great grandfather and had four more children. It's traumatic for those people. They have to leave their homes. And now again, in 2020, it's happening again, where they have to leave their homes and then go to where? Armenia, where it's already like chaos over there. They don't have the capacity to take care of them. Now we have to build up fundraising to help those people who are displaced now. It's going to be like chaos. Yeah. And I've been uh, noticing things that you've been saying online about uh, the fact that not a whole lot of attention has been brought to this, and it really hasn't been. But that really uh, seems to be the case with a lot of international affairs. Because Turkey is in NATO, so because of that, they also won't talk about it. I guess when oil money is given to you, I guess it means something. I don't know. It's just, it's, it doesn't make sense. Like, it's, it's people's lives being at risk. And they call, the United Nations actually today said, oh, we're now looking at it to see if there was any war crimes. I'm like, <laughs> it's just so funny. Like, why are they so behind on this? It's, it's, they're not behind. They see it. But it's too late. It's Yeah, it almost seems as though maybe they were trying to use the guise of the international distraction that the US election provided to not have to worry or not have to do anything. Yeah. 
yeah, and then all these issues like what's happening in Nigeria and and what's happening with Assyrians. I put today because I didn't even know what was happening with Assyrians. They don't even have a country. Their country was stolen from them. They they speak a language. They very little Assyrians speak their own language. They live in Iraq or Greece or Iran or in Lebanon or wherever, they don't have a language, they don't have a country, like their country was stolen from them. And now their people, Assyrian in Iraq, are being killed by Turkey. And they're Christians as well, some of them. And it's just like, why is this not getting international media? Because it's not about Trump every 24 hours? Like, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, no, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, but, yeah, again, there's just a lot of things going on around the world that don't get the coverage they deserve. Yeah. I mean, especially when you look at what's happening in China, yeah. what the concentration camps they have, or things that are going on in several African nations, yeah. uh, between slave trade, those slaves that are basically being exploited for mineral labor yeah. uh, in the Western African countries, um, what's going on in Nigeria with SARS. I mean... It's kind of just uh, it's one thing after the next, really, when you go throughout a lot of these countries, and they don't get a whole lot of, they don't get any real attention because there's probably no profit in it. No. And the media loves profit. Yeah. That's all it is. It's really profit and oil money. I call it oil money, but, like, it's all it is. Yeah. I mean, if we're going to talk about oil, Iraq... The Iraq war was definitely, in my opinion, it was definitely motivated by oil because there's no, there was nothing in Iraq to go after. Yeah, no, a lot of people do feel that way. I mean, it's kind of hard to argue against it given, you know, what we know now about how there was no weapons of mass destruction. <laughs> yeah. So, Every time I see seems... George Bush, I just laugh because now he looks like the saint <laughs> compared to Trump. But it's really, he's the mastermind behind a lot of deaths, but if you, but he looks like he's smug a little bit when I see him, so. Yeah, well it also just shows the hypocrisy of the media as they spent years calling him a war criminal, and the second that he was out of office, they stopped caring about whether or not he was a criminal. And they only cared about, you know, saying bad things about Bush while he was in office. Now I mean, that that's what it is within, within uh, when you're a president or when you're a politician, is they'll talk shit about you when you're in that position. But when you're out of it, yeah. He's yeah. a painter, he paints during his social time, like all that stuff. I just laugh, because like, if you think about it, um, I think during the first, no it wasn't, the Iraq and Iran war happened. America helped Saddam with that, and then ten years later they turned back and go, go, go to invade Iraq. Yeah. And then it's still going on. It's like what twenty years? Seventeen. But Seventeen. Close enough. Yeah. Yeah. It's close been enough. a long, the most longest war there's ever been, right? Uh, I guess technically Afghanistan, but yeah. Well. I guess, honestly, be really fair for being technically technical, um, Vietnam, yeah. um, because America first sent troops into Vietnam in 1947, I believe, which so that would be a 27-year conflict. Wow, okay. So, yeah, we, we have a history of making Long terrible decisions. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and... That, that's become the problem is like we're never able to figure out any of these things like especially in this day and age when we have all the resources to have these conversations about this and like how we can help and it yeah. doesn't seem to be the response the response okay we'll have donations ready and we'll have red cross help and all that but it's not it's like but why are we letting it happen why are we letting these kind of dictator countries make those decisions right now you know, it's really, it's a, it's a great question. I feel as though, um... Like North Korea? And Russia? Yeah. Russia, who, my country, I find was dimwits. I said, Russia's in between both. 
And I was right. And he's just going to be like, yeah, sign on the dotted line. Here you go. He has no interest. Putin's not going to help us. If anything, he was going to help us uh, in his profit if we needed it. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like Putin's getting ready to step down from the reports that I've been hearing. So yeah. maybe he's just no longer interested in whatsoever. Yeah, so this was his like last like try to mend the gap in his words and shut it down. Whatever. I, I, didn't, I didn't... There was a there was a lot of conflict because in Soviet... Uh, the Soviet time, Armenia was a part of Russia. Okay. And then when the Soviet happened and the Soviet rule ended, um, I said Joseph Stalin's took a part of our land as well, and that's where Nagorno-Karabakh started from. Okay. That land started from there. He gave it to Azerbaijan, but most populations of Armenians live there, but it's still Armenian. It's still ours. And now that's been signed away. Everything that we had left, and then if we let them, within the next 50 years, there won't be in Armenia, because again, they're going to want more land, they're going to want this, they're going to want that, and Armenia is going to be no longer. And that's what ha- what's happening in Cyprus, in, with Turks going into there and trying to take land from them as well. It's it's just the power of taking land. I don't understand. Yeah, you know, I thought for a long time there that we were kind of past that point in our history. Not a whole lot of countries have been doing that anymore, but then we saw Russia kind of do that to the Ukraine a few yeah, years ago. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it seems like more of that's happening now. So, yeah. Yeah. Unfortunate that, you know, it's not getting the attention it deserves. Yeah. So we'll get into the after election conversation. So tell us a little bit about your podcast and what it's about and how you started it. Yeah, so my podcast, uh, which is on a break right now, is uh, mostly a political podcast. I have covered some other topics on there and probably will in the future, but it's basically just me talking about uh, American politics yeah. you know, as a person who currently lives in the U.S. And I started it back in January as mm-hmm. kind of a response to everything that I was seeing in the news. Right. I I was just watching all of the primary debates leading mm-hmm. up to the Democratic Party choosing their nominee, which ended up being Joe Biden. Yeah. And I just was seeing so many hypocritical things being tossed around the media that I just felt like, you know, I wanted to kind of like get my opinion out there. And at first it was supposed to be a podcast between me and a friend of mine. But as, you know, we kind of like developed the podcast a little bit, I guess my friend decided that maybe he wasn't as interested (laughs) as I wanted him to be. So it ended up turning into just my podcast, which is okay because... Maybe I like being in control, so everything's all right. Um, so, yeah, we on the podcast, I have a lot of guests on from time to time. We break down topics that are relatively just central to what's happening in America at the time. And that's where I kind of want to keep it going forward. But I'm trying to figure out exactly what the future of the podcast looks like right now, now that we don't have the hot-button topic of an election to talk about anymore, so... Yeah. But I'm sure we'll find plenty of things to to keep current. Um, I'm really interested in trying to figure out whether or not Donald Trump's going to start his own media uh, <laughs> corporation, which he is quietly saying that he is planning on doing, which that's going to be something that I feel like is dangerous for the entire world. Oh, man. Not just America. I mean, um, the guy wants something because he can't stay out of just the limelight. He's going to have a huge problem if he's not in the news. He has a problem. He really does have a problem with not being seen. Yeah. Yeah, I guess the world's probably lucky that he's in his 70s, and so, like, it's been only so much longer we'll have of this, but... um, Instead of his doofy sons. That's true, but they're not anywhere near as, like, charismatic as he is. I have a hard time believing that they'll be able to carry the torch once he's no longer available. No, but they were saying, like, trying to get their families in, especially his son-in-law. Yeah, Yeah, no, I I know that there's definitely the, I think that's the long-term plan there is for Donald Jr. to take over. 
yeah. at some point. Um, I think it's the carryover effect that bothers me the most, though. The fact that it's not just that Trump has radicalized so many people in America, but it's the fact that there are other leaders around the world who have popped up who also embrace Donald Trump and the way he governs in several nations on several continents around the world. So it's like Donald Trump's having a, an outreaching effect into every corner of the world, it feels like. He does. It's, there is definitely that really alt-right conservative group now that you're seeing a yeah. lot of. And I, I can't say that it's all because of Trump, but he definitely threw, like I said, threw a gaslight at it and just like, everyone's yeah. like, yeah, it's just the, my free liberty and I can say what I want. Right, the idea that the nationalism politics are growing around the world right now. Yeah. You see it happening in Germany, it's happening, you know, down in Brazil, it's happening in the UK, it's happening in India, yeah. you know, like several nations really. I guess the fearing part about it is that it's definitely, it's going to be a world of two, one that's a left and one's that alt-right, and that's the scary part. You can't say you're conservative without saying which part you really are, and that's the concerning part, I think, is people, especially Republicans who have the face to not even say anything during what's happening now. And that says a lot. That it does. It does. I think it says that they're so afraid of Donald Trump that they're willing to just do and say whatever they feel like they have to to not get on his bad side. Yeah. Uh, Which just shows how much he's consolidated power in our country. That guy, within four years, has made, like, his militia, if you want to say that. Like... He, yeah. you could say whatever, but if he has 71 million people that voted for him. It's true. I think, um, honestly, the, the really, the, there are so many untold stories about his presidency that the media refuses to cover, but I think the one thing that most people do not take for credit is just the fact that he did one thing that no president, I think, has ever done before, which is he literally didn't, he never stopped campaigning. No. He got into office and continued to campaign. No, I remember that, yeah. And I said, well, because, like, I think for 2020, rallies. and he's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, the guy is campaigning already. You have to Yeah, no. He was doing rallies immediately. All yeah. throughout 2017, 2018, he never stopped. And, like, that just kept his, All to the enthusiasm the end high. of this election, I was, like, still nervous. I, 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 was, I was like, I'm not sure where this is going, but I'm still nervous. Because yeah. there's such a way about him that he could get the election somehow. He could. When I saw that he passed the Supreme Court judge, I was like, okay, this is going to be a game changer because if he does this, it's scary for the world and whatever. But yeah. um, now he's like in like a temper tantrum two year old right now. Like, he's like, no, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. Right. You know, it's, it, it feels like he's going to leave. Yes. I feel like he just, he wants uh, to put up I this heard today, to signal his, his base. Yeah, I heard today that he was going to pass it to Mike Pence to do all the heavy lifting, which is give him the basically the keys via inauguration, but he's not going to be there. And just be face-to-face -face with Biden but he's not gonna do that. So he can be the, they stole the election from me, kind of. Yeah. I, I had a feeling that was gonna happen, but like, to put it on the guy, he's like, okay. Whatever. Yeah, no, I, I buy that. Trump is already basically laying the groundwork for running again, and if he does, I don't think he'll have that much competition unless we, unless the Democrats can I say we, I don't, I don't like saying we, I'm not really a part of their party. Um, unless Democrats can find someone who is equally as charismatic, but, um, you know, if he decides to run again, I mean, I have a hard time believing that he'll lose. Yeah, unless he dies. Oh, sorry. Yeah, it, it's... Anything could happen yeah. for you. To be honest, really, did he really survive COVID? I mean, he went to... 
the best hospital America had to offer. So I would assume yes, because... But was that medication not what it was really acting up in those couple weeks? Like, he was really, like, out of left field for me. Maybe the most scariest I've ever seen. Yeah. Whatever those medications are, I don't want it. Whatever. (laughs) If I have COVID and he's getting that medication, I'm not taking it because that was scary. Because he was really, like, threatening, like, if if I don't win this election, which he said a billion times, then I'm not... Then it, it's rigged, and they took it from me. Yeah. To be fair, you said that in 2016 as well. It just yeah. didn't matter. Which today, the they way. would actually put ours... Well, isn't it funny how in 2016, they were saying that we need to accept the election for what it was, but they can't accept it now. Yeah, no, it's... There's, so much hypocrisy that goes on it's it's honestly it's on people to point these things out because the media they we, we can't really expect them to do things that are right because they won't it's gotten so personal for them like because he's attacking the media for them it's like yeah. game on with them like every single day. And that's why other stuff is not making the news because all you see is Trump and whatever the hell he did and what he said. And I'm tired of it. I don't want, I, I don't love Trump. I hate Trump. But <laughs> like, I don't want to see his face ever again as how much they put his face on it and probably make it worse. Yeah. And um, unfortunately, it's probably. You know, I'm sure behind the scenes, you know, the media quietly really wants Trump to stay inside of politics because they don't have anything ratings, else to talk about. Yeah, you know, all their ratings have gone through the roof since he's been office, so they don't really have a backup plan if he leaves. But I'm sure some of them wanted him to win. Someone said SNL is canceled because <laughs> it's like yeah, well, Joe Biden's just not as funny of a person to bear. Jim Carrey, I love Jim Carrey, isn't it? Oh, God. It's not going to work. Yeah, it's just not going to be as funny. And it'll probably be a few years before the Democrats can figure out who their next boogeyman's going to be. I also heard something where, but I heard this on The Breakfast Club. They were just talking because I listen to that every morning. They were saying how the conspiracy was that Joe Biden was going to stay for a year and, like, resign. And then... Have Kamala take over, and then yeah, I've heard I mean, that a lot. That that I don't was think at all that Biden runs again in twenty twenty four. I mean, I think, I think I'm not saying with health wise he may be okay for four years, but he also said I don't think I could do another second term. I'm just here for the first yeah. term to kind of clean stuff out. Yeah, I expect that too. I don't think he runs again. I don't think he'll leave as soon as the year. Though I think personally for him, if he can do the job he's going to, because he's been wanting it. I know his whole life. So I've he has been wanting he it his whole life. But the sad part of it was up. that his son wanted to be president as well. And this election, the 2016 election where he didn't run, he said yeah. my son had died, and I didn't want to, but. I think 28, 20, the 2020 election was different because he said my son would have probably been running right now because his son would have yeah. been at that age to be able to run. I've heard some conflicting reports about that. I heard that he actually didn't want to run in 2016, but that the Democratic Party just automatically picked Hillary without even asking him if he was interested. He felt pretty Do you think it would have made a difference? Well, I think... Hillary had long positioned herself as like the 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 next in line in the Democratic Party, and when she yeah. lost to Obama in two thousand and eight, she did everything she could to put herself back in position so that she could run again once he left yeah. office. Which is why she left the Secretary of State position That's in twenty twelve. Yeah, yeah, because she wanted to be the next person in line once Obama like you know left, and yeah. so. Basically, even though Biden didn't want it, it didn't matter because she had had the backing of the entire party. Yeah. Being the, the well, technically, she didn't line. really have the backing of the Democratic Party because a lot of them were not trying to be close to her with all the questions and stuff that was looming around her with like Benghazi and all that stuff. 
Yeah, no, so there was, some people. And I think if they were really, like, a Democratic Party, they would have been open arms. But that's not what it felt like. And I think a lot of that had to do with her loss. Um, that's just how I feel. I don't know. Right. Yeah, no, it seems to me like all the... Um, because all the now, when you look at it, for four years, they couldn't find someone else. There was 20 freaking candidates. <laughs> More than 20. Yeah. And, they, and we ended up with Joe Biden, which I don't hate him. And I don't love him either, but, like, it's better than Trump. And a lot of people have said they voted just to get rid of Trump first. And we'll do That's it. That's the only reason why I voted. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people, uh, Breakfast Club, a lot of them said I voted because of Kamala Harris. Everyone yeah. has a reason for voting however they want. But, like, it just makes sense that a large part of it has to do with getting rid of Trump. And everyone said also that Biden was someone you could actually negotiate and talk to it wasn't like you're beating your head against the wall you can actually have a conversation he'd actually get some stuff done and you know yeah well time will tell if they actually want to get things done or not i uh i do believe that the senate will probably stay with the republicans no matter how much democrats believe they're going to find a way to win two senate seats in georgia I, i laugh at the idea of that um but yeah, I um, I think what we're really going to see here is that the Democrats are going to have the the House and the the White House and the Republicans on the Senate, and then the, both parties will be able to blame the other party for not being able to get anything done, and that's just going to be Which the of affairs um, for the next four years. Michael Moore left the open letter to Joe Biden and said. I know you're a nice guy. I've I've met you a couple times, but I'm begging you. Be like Trump a little bit and put should executive orders and do stuff. Because I'm telling you, yeah. just as Obama did, they didn't let Obama do a thing. Once he got in there, he was playing nice with them and saying, oh, let's be on both sides and let's talk with each other. That didn't work. So. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, um, I don't really think there's anything wrong with executive orders. I mean, yeah. I think we kind of normalize them in America. I mean, Congress doesn't like them because they, I mean, because basically they want to obstruct, they want to obstruct the president because they, I, I don't know, both parties have kind of got into this idea that it's it's, like taking like no orders. one wants to do bipartisan work, they just want to just own the other side, which is not good for anyone in the country. Yeah. Um, I don't know what's going to happen with this, but like with Canada's election, what I was saying, like, our, if our election that night was like that, yeah. like I, I would have, I was like my stress level was so high for nothing. I was like Canada's yeah, election no. is definitely not like, and we have five parties here. I mean, we have two main that always get elected, but we have five parties. And by the end of the night, at least we know what, who's won and whatever, and we know what's the majority and what's the minority and all that stuff. Yeah. If I was to wait five days to hear that. <laughs> yeah, it, honestly, for me, after the second day, I kind of just, I, I kind of just tuned it out because I could see the trajectory. Yeah. Like, it, it, it was obvious to me that, like, the votes were only flowing in one direction. And so I think... you think Pennsylvania the, was going to be that, the win for Biden? I mean, I did, yeah, because, you know, I know that the polls were all off, but I wasn't really, like, focusing on the polls after a while. Yeah. I, um, I spent a lot of time looking at the early election, like, uh, early voting data, which I posted a lot on my stories on my Instagram page. I kept talking about, like, here's how these states are voting, and here's where the turnout is, and, you know, like, here's the registered parties, how they're voting. And it was really clear in Pennsylvania in particular that, I mean, they had listed that over, I think it was around like 3 million like mail-in ballots have been requested. Yeah. And of that 3 million, the Democrats had a 1 million mail-in ballot like request advantage over the Republicans. Right. And it's like, unless a bunch of Democrats decided to vote for Trump, it was pretty obvious they were going to have a 1 million plus advantage. So exactly. at the end of like, I think like, Wednesday, once it was pretty clear that all like the all of the like day of voting had been counted, it was like, well, all that's left is mail-in ballots, and those were 
Joe Biden. So it was just that uh, point. I mean, maybe a bunch of other people didn't know that, but I was one of those nerds who was looking at all that data, so I kind of knew that it was going to go that way. So it was just a matter of just waiting for it to happen. I mean, I don't know why it took so long. Maybe that's just me, but, I mean, I knew that was going to be the outcome. The, the states that I... I, a lot of my conspiracies, because I, my conspiracy was they were just trying to lay low because Trump was going to lose his mind, and they were just yeah. trying to blow, soften the blow for Trump so that it wasn't going to be as traumatic for him, I guess, I don't know, that's what I heard. Yeah, well, and, they, is, and they kept well, saying, you want to be sure, I was watching CNN's, because John King knows how to use a magic board because I I don't know every state, but now because of him I know every single county and every single. Oh my God, the dude was on his feet for ten hours a day. The dude. Yeah. It's a fun whiteboard to play with. Uh, I'd like to play with that. I know. See all the different. I'm a, I'm a numbers person though, so I, I would love to be yeah. one. Of, and whoever's good at math, you're 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 that was your education right there. Yeah, no, I, uh, I definitely like getting my election night coverage from CNN. Yeah. Just the, the magic board is my thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely... Yeah. So, going into election night, what was that night like for you? Because I stayed um, till two for no reason. I anticipation, mostly. I just, I just wanted to get it over with. Yeah. I mean, I spent, like, you know, my podcast is about this election, basically. Yeah. I mean... And so I spent months talking about it, and then leading up to that, I spent the last, like, you know, month and a half doing nothing but looking at polls, which I have told myself I will never do again. Yeah. I um, was going through analysis, I was watching different videos, I was trying to, like, do my own research, and so I just got to the point where, like, once I got to, like, a week before the election, I was like, you know what, I have all the information I need as far as, like, how I think this election's going to go, I just want to see how it turns out now. And honestly, it turned out almost exactly the way I thought it would. I only had like one thing that I was surprised by. Right. Um, so for the most part, because I, I did my own election video that I put on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And in my video, at the very end, the last thing I said was, everyone thinks this election is going to be a blowout. They are wrong. This election will be close. I right. guarantee you that. And... I was just, I was, I guess I was surprised how many people were, how many people were surprised that it wasn't a blowout, and I was just like, I know that everyone wants to believe that Trump has turned a bunch of people in America off to what he, to what he stands for, but it couldn't be further from the truth. Yeah. You know, I think the media has tried to, like, brainwash people into believing Everyone hates Trump at this point, yeah. Not only that, but that the only people who support Trump's are terrible people and when those people hear that it makes them want to root for trump more right you know because it makes them feel like uh well our country doesn't accept us but we're going to show that so they feel like they're the outsiders but i've seen the crazies too of course and there's crazy this is who i will talk to trump supporters who've turned on him who have voted in 2016 and in 2020 changed their vote because those are yeah. people that I want to see why they changes changed their mind and where where they were where they were when they decided to vote for Trump in the in the first place and then what made them change that because that's a different story. People who have not going to change their mind, I I I've talked to, but I I'm gonna bash my head against the wall again. It's I I can't talk to these people. I tried. Yeah. And you're not you're not probably gonna be able to reach them if you're trying to if you're trying to reach them in a certain way. I mean, I feel like for a lot of these people, I live in a red state, so I live in a state that yeah. voted overwhelmingly for Trump. So not only do I know these people, I'm friends with them. I talk yeah. to them every day. I go to work with them. Right. You know, I see them when I go out to the bar. I mean, they're they're people who live in my state, yeah. and you know. Honestly, when you really talk to people about these things, one thing becomes evidently clear really quickly. It's that what we what the true divide in our country is through how we receive our information. Right. And there are certain people who are convinced that only through Trump and through Fox News will they get the truth and everything else is a lie. And that's all they believe. Yeah. And as long as Fox and Trump... I have three 
family friends of ours that felt the same way. They were like, Fox News, why are you watching CNN for that election night? It's all lies and stuff. I was like, what are you talking about? And then I had a conversation like, how come I didn't know this about you? Because they, the, half the time they're embarrassed to say that. Right. And I'm like, why do you feel embarrassed to say that? It's like, if we're family friends for years, you can talk to me like a normal person. But obviously you're not okay with sharing that you view Trump in a certain way. I don't know. It's just my opinion. No, I agree. And it, yeah, it's one of those things where the more that I see it, the more I realize, I'm like, okay, there are just millions of people in my country who believe that Trump will never lie to them, and yeah. everything he says is the truth. And that's a really hard thing to break through. Okay. And which is honestly, it's like when I look at my podcast. It's literally, I don't want to say it's the border wall, but it, it was that. <laughs> You know, when I look at my podcast, a lot of the angles that I take, if, you know, when you listen to my episodes, is I'm trying to reach, reach out to people on the right. I don't want to talk down to these people. I don't want to make them feel like their feelings are valid. Mm-hmm. I just want to explain, like, I understand where you're coming from. Now, let me tell you why I disagree. Yeah. And versus me saying that, like, you're an idiot for feeling this way, and how dare you think that way? Because I feel like. By continuing to do that, the way that the people on the left have, especially the media, we've only created this like divide this, this divide that it's getting harder and harder to cross. Because yeah. I think, in a lot of ways, the left has to realize that they had a huge contributing factor to that because they just kept trying to talk down to people. Yeah. And you know, if we're going to fix this, we have to validate people's feelings, which is something that the left always claims to yeah. want to be about. You know. I mean, Canada doesn't have that right and left thing. We have a conservative and a liberal. We have a conservative and a liberal. Then we have NDP, which I always vote for, or a Green Party, which I don't. I vote for a third party, always. Because it does get to, it never is a majority of anything, because we do have five parties. Yeah. We do have Bloc Québécois, which is like the Quebec which is a little bit of a racist society that wants to... My history teacher used to say they want to divorce Canada, Quebec. Yeah. Because it is a little bit more... Like, if you don't speak French or you're um, from the Middle East or you're Muslim, they look at you. They want to ban wearing headscarves. So... Really? Yeah. It's a certain party that I'm not, they actually got to a high level in the last federal election where they actually got a lot of votes. That scared me a little bit. They got a couple seats more than um, the NDP. Um, But yeah, I can never vote for the conservative or the liberal because we keep voting for them and nothing ever changes. Nothing ever changes. They're the two main ones. Right. And we keep complaining and we're never like satisfied. I'm like, why can't you let a third party like an NDP, which you know, you see the leader and they tell you their plans and they actually like have like a committee where they actually show you what they want to do going forward. Like I've been to them. I, I go and sit down and I listen to what they're going to say to me. And it's just like, oh, no, we can't because it's too risky. What's risky? What, what you're doing now, which is. Every single time it's a conservative next year, and four years later it's a, a liberal. How does that work? That's how it is in Canada. It's between the two. And they're not saying they're conservative or liberal. They're just voting for what's in their interest. But it never is their interest because they always complain about it. Oh, higher taxes. Why are we getting higher taxes? Um, why Why is our prescription drug cost going up? Because we, don't, we have um, health care here. But we don't, NDP wants to get what Bernie Sanders said, Medicare for all, which is prescription drug costs, mission care, dental care, all covered in one. And it's apparently a huge problem. We can't do that. Why not? Um, uh, Pharmaceuticals are like threatening to increase prices if we were to do that, which is not true because when we had put healthcare uh, in motion, 
that was uh, that was what the threat was. Oh, healthcare uh, insurance is going to go up or whatever, and that never happened. Right. Yeah. I my mom had um, when she had um, chemo, she had to pay four thousand dollars for the chemo drug. She didn't pay for it. The healthcare paid for it. But if she had to pay for that, like in yeah. America, that would have cost an arm and a leg, right? But here's the other. So if you have diabetes, you need insulin. But insulin is expensive. Right. So what happens is you get sicker and sicker, and then you have to go on dialysis, which is the most expensive here in Canada. But it's covered. But the prescription for the insulin is the one that costs you money. But you can right. get the you can get the dialysis. Does it make sense? Yeah. So you could have prevented yourself from getting worse, getting sicker, by having the insulin. But because they can't pay for that, they end up going on dialysis. No, so, you know what I mean? There's just too many loopholes that in Canada we could work and change around. But it's just the two main parties we always switch to and never give a chance to other parties to do more. And like for more on the environment, like we talk and now we have the pipeline coming in from the that uh, Justin Trudeau said oh I'm not going to do it because I care about the environment two seconds later oh we're going into indigenous lands and that could possibly poison them oh that's great so when is that supposed to be approved that's been approved by Trump that was the first year that Trump came in oh so that's already been approved in Canada as well yeah and that should be starting soon that's already in motion. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I know that there's a lot of pushback about that uh, where I'm at as well. I mean, I'm also, I'm in a state that I think the pipeline would go through. Okay. Um, so it's definitely a hot button issue here in America. Yeah, the Keystone Pipeline has been the thing we've been talking about for maybe 10 years at least. And yeah. At first, then it was pushed back, and then it was pushed forward, and then... Justin Trudeau said, "Well, when I come in, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna cancel it. I'm not gonna put it in because it's not good for our environment. It's not good for uh, our indigenous um, communities because that's where they live." And then next thing, as soon as he's in, he's like, "Yeah, I talked to Trump, and we're gonna go through this thing, and I promise it's not gonna do it. Uh, I promise it's gonna be, it's not gonna harm our communities." I'm like, "You just said it was." So it's like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> Yeah, no, it, it sounds like um, a politician in America, you know, where you uh, you say one thing one day, you change your mind the next day, and there's no yeah. backlash for And then our NDP, Jagmeet Singh, I don't know if you know of him, leader. I do not. Uh, you can follow him on Instagram because he has really good content about, like, his plans and stuff for Canada. Um, he's made such, in four years, this is four years? In four years? That he's been a leader of the NDP? I think so. I have to do my numbers right, my dates right. But um, he's pushed so many people to come out, like, like younger people. And he said these older folks are not going to understand. Like we need younger fo folks in office or in positions to make these decisions. Because like these older folks aren't going to listen. Like, um, So in Ontario alone, during the COVID pandemic, we had a crisis in the long-term care home. Our Ontario Parliament, our Premier, which is um, like your governor in like state. So this, uh, so basically he had to have the military come into the long-term care facilities and the nursing homes because they were so bad. And then the military report came in. There was nurses that were leaving elderly people in soiled diapers um, not caring for them, putting pay, um, ill COVID patients with normal patients in the same room with COVID and then a whole bunch of other stuff of how they've been taken care of, force feeding them, um, trying to um, not care for them, not washing them. So many reports, it's just disgusting. And still nothing's being done about it. But, oh, yeah, this report came in. We're so sorry about it. We're trying to work on it. And this was five months ago. Wow. And 
and now the pandemic has hit a second wave now here. And now they're just talking about what they can do to not prevent it from happening again in the long-term care homes. Um, and I'm like, a pretty simple solution. Like, you just don't do the same thing you just did. It's the public. It's the public-funded, you know, um, uh, PS, personal support workers, nurses, and all those stuff that are not caring for them properly. So why don't you? fund proper people to do the work and why don't you screen these people? That's and a good question. And uh, understaffing also because a lot of uh, uh, patient staff had gotten sick. So there was understaffing where people were like working beyond 40 hours, maybe 60 hours a week because they, there wasn't enough staff for us working there. So then you have patients mingling with these people too much. Yeah. yeah, no, it definitely sounds like a like a hectic situation for sure. Yeah, so that's what's happening in our Canadian politics, if we can call that. Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. I, uh, I definitely don't get a whole lot of information about what's going on in other countries, you know, politics that really funnel through our, like, our news that often. I, um, America seems always very interested in itself. <laughs> no, that's true. I mean... When I look at the U.S. politics, I'm like, this is a lot. I'll just stick to my regular programming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think when you have um, so many different states where they all have their own issues individually, and they all have the national stuff that they do, and there's the stuff in between the parties that sometimes you even have to deal with local politics that are different from the statewide stuff. It's just, yeah. it's a lot. There's a lot going on there. Yeah. Um, so, oh, it says Kentucky AG uh, Attorney General Daniel Cameron joined GOP lawsuit in Pennsylvania to not uh, count mail-in ballots that arrived on election day, even though Pennsylvania state allows that. Oh, Daniel Cameron is a Trump supporter who recommended no kill the no uh, recommended no killing for the police killing of Breonna Taylor. Yeah, yeah. Know, that was the attorney general for that. Okay. Yeah. You know, with that whole thing, right now, what we're basically having is the the Republican Party trying to do their best to keep their base as, like, upset as humanly possible. Because as of right now, Joe Biden's ahead, I believe, by, like, 60,000 votes in Pennsylvania. And all of the votes that came in after Election Day come to a grand total of 10,000. So even if they took out all 10,000 of those votes, Joe Biden would still be up by like 45,000 votes in Pennsylvania. And so it wouldn't actually overturn the decision of that state. So this really isn't about Trump trying to win anymore. This is basically about trying to keep his people as pissed off as humanly possible, probably to fuel his eventual run for 2024. Right. So, yeah, there's no real, like, objective trying to be accomplished in regards to this election. This is about the future. Yeah, I can't imagine, like, what the next four years... I mean, I, I was going to ask what the next four years would you think it's going to be like and what you want to see changing in the next four years with Biden and Harris administration. So, I, I see two paths here. Mm -hmm. Um... On one path, uh, I, I've been told that Joe Biden actually does believe in bipartisanship and so that he will try to work with the Republicans to get certain things done. And so there is one reality where they in good faith actually do try to get bipartisan things done. I have a hard time believing in that reality. Yeah. So the more probable reality is they go back to being obstructionist, which just means that they don't want anything to get done because they believe that owning the Dems is the best way to keep their base happy with them. Um, and then on the outset, you're going to have Trump continuing to do rallies every week, uh, basically acting like he never left the White House by constantly talking about what's going on in our country every single day, furthering his Twitter following, creating a media empire, and basically he'll be 
this year than he was when he wasn't off. You don't think he's going to be a little scared leaving office? You don't think that they could put him in jail for something? I don't know. I don't don't think they will, uh, even if they could, because the Justice Department, America is a corrupt nation. You know, just like, just is a point blank statement. They're not actually going to put people in jail because it's a right thing to do. They put people in jail when it's convenient. Yeah. Uh, Trump going in jail would piss off so many people in this country that they don't want to deal with the backlash of it. So even if they found a crime that Trump did commit, he'd get away with it because he's too popular. You know, the, the real... The real thing in America isn't about whether or not you're good or bad. It's about, how, it's about how many people like you. Oh. And Trump has way too much power to go to jail. Yeah. I can't so imagine. That's, that's really it. Yeah, I, I definitely saw Trump being still in the limelight in some shape or form because he can't spin them. I mean, he could still go golfing for free. I don't know. Oh, no. He, he's set for the rest of his life. This is this is about narcissism at this point. He's yeah. a narcissist. He needs the attention. He's going to try to compete with Fox. He's openly saying that he wants to create a media empire that rivals Fox because he is mad at them yeah, I for heard, not giving I heard him that. enough attention. Yeah. He said so, some, I think he said something today. He tweeted something where um, he said, Fox News, your ratings are low or something like that. And like, don't forget how you got your ratings and how you how I made you guys successful or whatever. He was going off. I, I guess someone said something or they said like you need to concede or something. I don't know. But he was losing his shit. He's been losing his shit all week. I, I know behind yeah. closed doors there are, there has to be because the people that are in there like the advisors and stuff that are kind of leaking all this information of sources and stuff. They must be banging their heads against the wall because they're like, dude, just like concede, just act like a normal, he- decent human being. I don't know. I'm just saying some of these people are probably fed up with him. I don't know. I don't know that they are. I honestly believe that this was part of the plan all along because all along. Like, what do you think about all these people that have been fired and either quit or whatever? A lot of them have some stupid story to tell, even though, in my opinion, those people are just as, like, I can't. But they have a role to play in all that, but they come in and say, well, I knew he was doing that. I made a book about it. Oh, and you can go read my book about it. And, um, yeah, I had nothing to do with that. I tried to stop it, but, like, he's out of control. Yeah, none of them tried to do anything. And like 10 books, 10 books. But that's like, can you read it for me and tell me what's going to happen? I'm like, I'm not reading any of this shit. It's all BS. It's all BS. It's all like no, no, 500 pages. No, no. The is betting while they're in the office, it's like they're out of office, and then all of a sudden they're saints who never did a thing wrong in their life. No, it's a giant joke. I, I think that most people who take the time to really look at all the information would be able to come to that same conclusion. Yeah. But when it comes to like, um, cause obviously there's two pandemics going on with COVID where Trump is alienating and saying, well, it's, there's COVID is getting under control when it's not, or we don't need masks or whatever he's trying to deflect. And then we have a huge problem when he's not realizing that black lives matter is and fighting for equality and what we're going to do moving forward because obviously he doesn't want to have that conversation but maybe he would have realized that black people really came out in the election um. yeah i don't think that you know um i think that with that particular issue he just wanted it to tap into anger that he already saw in the country and just manipulated towards his direction for his benefit yeah. You know, because the Black Lives Matter movement was something that was hugely mischaracterized by Fox News for the sake of ratings yeah. for years. And I think Trump, you know, like, that was already happening before, like, Trump really even got into office. So I don't think Trump really did anything there to create that issue. I think he just manipulated it for his own game. Right. Yeah. I just- Pretty effectively. 
yeah, I, I, I felt that way, but I just felt like he, the things he was saying was, especially in the last, especially during the summer when it's really high and really like fire breathing and everyone, everyone's upset and he doesn't even have the balls to just like, okay, I'm going to shut up for a bit and like actually listen to what's happening. I guess that's too much for me to ask, but I guess I can see. I'm a person. I'm a person who like likes to give people the benefit of the doubt, even if I'm like, no, this person's not. I like to be that person because I know that in a world like we have today, it's just like, why, why can't you change? Like I could, like I have my ways of there's biases in me, and that I could work through that. And why can't even if you are in your seventies, like. You know, I think some people, um, you know, Trump in particular, he has no interest in being something other than what he is. He's a 74-year-old man. He's a narcissist. He's always been this way. Why would he change now? Especially when it's it's done nothing but benefit him. Like, nothing bad has happened to him. Like, he came into this presidential race being on the verge of debt having multiple bankruptcies, having all of his business failing. So what's going to happen when he's out? He's going to have to His family's made over a billion dollars while he's been in office. He's done the one thing that we always claim was taboo in our country, which was use the presidential office to make money for yourself, and everyone just let it go because they didn't care. And so now his family's made over a billion dollars while he's been in office. So yeah. he's made money off the presidency. Exactly. Which, which you're not supposed to be able to do, but he did it. And now he's normalized it. So it, it's truly disgusting. But, yeah. you know, being a president has had a financial benefit for him. And honestly, for the rest of his life, anything that he puts out from now on will be gold. Yeah. You know what I was sad about? And I think I said it. That Lindsey Graham didn't cry because he didn't lose. Because <laughs> I was ready yeah. for that. I really wanted that. I really wanted him to. Because that man really pisses me off. I was like, you're a guy that in the past you were able to work with Democrats or whatever or do your bipartisanship. You were looked at as Saint. It's like a person that can talk to both parties. What happened in that four years? Like, who? Trump took over the party. Okay, but, over the party. but like Mitt Romney, he's not really. No, but Romney's in a safe place, though. He doesn't have to adhere to Trump because he's in a state that he'll basically never lose because he is a Mormon himself and he's in Utah. Right. So he doesn't really have to suck up to Trump the way that basically every other Republican has to because they know if they don't, they'll be out. Rudy Giuliani? But I can see him going to jail. Because, like, the guy... I don't, I, I, I saw an interview with his daughter saying I'm not voting for Biden. My dad's a little out of his head and I can't support my father anymore. That's basically what she said. Like, he's like, Shh, it's like, it's like, um, what's his, her, her name too. Um, thanks to daughter, uh, Kellyanne Conway. Her, her daughter came out and said, like, she's destroyed our family by sticking with Trump. So I can't imagine how many people are in that White House or whatever in his circle that probably disagree with all of this. And you're just going to destroy your own family because, well, the money. Well, I'm getting some kind of notoriety. I don't know. Yeah, it's not a place that I want to be. Yeah. So it's, it says a lot because on the other side, Democrats, I don't know what it is about them. I, I, um, it's, they're saying, well, they're weak. It's not that. It's just they don't have a strong stance on something, if that makes sense. Right. They don't really have. They don't have thing. something they have something in conviction with that's going to have people motivated to vote for them, if that makes sense. Because I, I, I think that's, sure this time around. that's it, it, if people voted this year, it has nothing to do with Democratic Party. That's what I felt. It had to do with either getting rid of Trump 
or switching around. Okay. Yeah, no, de definitely. I uh, I feel as though the Democratic Party's entire message this year was Trump is bad, vote for us. Okay. All right. So I can let you go now because I asked all my questions. Okay. Yeah. Um, so thank you for being with us and explaining what the American election and what the next four years could be like for us and the world. You know, I think my, um, my takeaway message for everyone is that um, if you are hoping that Trump is going to fade away into obscurity, you will be very sadly upset. Um, you will be disappointed. I don't think Trump's going anywhere. And I think the only real path for anyone really going forward is to try to find a way for people to talk to each other because this uh, this yelling at each other thing that we've been doing as a society for the last like number of years now has really not done anything to move us forward and so we have to kind of go back to try to work with each other again. Yeah, for sure. We have to come together and just like have a conversation. Yeah, yeah, the politicians and the media who want to keep us divided has not done anything to better our situations whatsoever, so. Yeah, we have to say that the media is only talking when it's their interest to show us something. It's not the end-all be-all, it's not the real truth, it's not really, it, it, it is, but like, it's it, there's more to it than that. There's something to be gained from it, and it's like, there's other sources, there's other avenues of news that you can come up with that will give you a more central um, news cycle or uh, to get your information if you're looking for it. Like, I'm not either or. I'm definitely not a right wing because I can't look at, like, I'm definitely a more progressive, if that's the word for it, like a AOC kind of type yeah. person. So, which I love AOC. Oh my God. She is a really big deal for a lot of people in this country. I am interested to see what her career looks like going forward yeah. because I feel like if she just keeps making all the right decisions, it should be a pretty upward trajectory. Yes, I've, I've been following her for the past few months and she really is not... She, doesn't give a shit about what anyone, even from her own party that don't really support her at all. But she's yeah. just strong with her convictions and she's like, no, I, I don't believe in that. So I like that. She's a good thing for the party. Yeah. I, I really do believe that. Yeah. So, thank yeah, you for no, I, yes, thank you. Thank you for having me come on. Thank you for being here. Hope to be on your podcast one day. Definitely. I will be taking down guests here for my next season sometime in the next few weeks. I'll be coming back in the beginning of December. Nice. Well, thank you for being with us. Have a good one. Thank you. Bye. Bye, everyone. Thank you for being here with us. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. And we'll be back next week. Bye, guys.